Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, a few weeks ago, I started a series uh, about three ways those who are indwelt by the Spirit need to cooperate by the Spirit. And I pointed out that I wasn't talking about uh, the Spirit-filled life, though God wants us to be filled with the Spirit, obviously. But just, uh, I'll back up a little bit, there are uh, works of the Spirit that are, that are associated with the new birth. There are works of the Spirit that are associated with the baptism with the Holy Spirit. I use this illustration a lot of times. You know, I used to have an in-ground swimming pool at the house that I lived in for several years. It had a deep end and a shallow end. And some people say, well, you know, the the Spirit-filled life, that's the deeper life. And there's some truth to that, certainly. But the point is that the water's the same. The, The circulating pump circulates the water, and the same water in the shallow end and the deep end, but there's a different purpose. In the two ends of the pool. You can do things in the shallow end that you can't do in the deep end. You can do things in the deep end that you can't do in the shallow end. So there are two works of the Spirit. But we're talking about His work in us as being indwelt by the Spirit. Not being Spirit-filled, but just being born again. So these three things uh, uh, do not require speaking in tongues. They do not require the gifts of the Spirit. They're not associated with that. It's associated with our everyday life. Even though we're Spirit-filled believers, we're also Spirit-indwelt believers. I actually said it like this. We're more fundamentally, we're more Spirit-indwelt. That's first. Amen. Thank God for the work of the Spirit upon and the work of the Spirit as a result of being filled with the Spirit. But thank God for the Holy Spirit within us. We share in, we have in common with all believers, whether they're Spirit-filled or not, certain graces and certain helps and certain benefits that just come as a result of the Spirit living on the inside of us in the new birth. Amen? So there are three ways that, that we need to cooperate with the indwelling spirit. First of all, we've talked about this at length, constant renewals of the spirit are necessary. Uh, Renewals of his quickening, of his strengthening in our lives. We talked about, secondly, the importance of walking in the spirit. This is not walking with your head in the cloud. It's not walking in dreams and visions and miracles and signs and wonders. Walking in the spirit is simply walking, living your life with the spirit in control. The Spirit in control in your life. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit. Fundamentally, walking in the Spirit is walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, the fruit of the Spirit. These things ought to be developing in our lives. They need to be in manifestation in our life. And it's the will of God that we walk in the Spirit. Amen? And then thirdly, I want to talk about this. Uh, We need to learn the way of the Spirit. We need to learn the Spirit's way so that we can see His hand in all the circumstances of life. Now, I did not say that that the Spirit causes or that God causes all the circumstances of life. But in every circumstance in life, we can still see God's hand working in our lives, directing us and leading us uh, through no matter what we experience in life. Now, I was watching uh, television this morning as I was uh, fixing breakfast, and Pastor Angela had, had, uh, had the television on you know, the, one of the gospel channels, and she had gone back to, to another room. She came back in as she started switching the channel, and somebody that, that I wasn't accustomed to listening to was on, and he made the statement that everything, and he was very emphatic about it, so there was no misunderstanding. Everything that happens in life is God's working. That everything that happens to you, God is doing that in order to bring you to a certain place of obedience. Well, that's not true at all. Jesus said the thief comes 
to steal, to kill, and destroy. Well, does the thief come? Or is he locked away in prison somewhere? When Jesus was raised from the dead, did did the devil and all demon spirits, were they all locked away in chains? In chains? In chains? In chains, in Tartarus, you know, in the in the place of the uh, of the dead, you know, in the uh, uh, the abyss. No, they're still here. Well, if they're still here, wonder what they're doing: stealing, killing, and destroying. Well, who are these killing, stealing, and, det- and destroying? Wildlife? No, humans. They're they're working against men. Paul said, resist the devil. Well, there must be something to resist. He must be working. He must be doing, he must be doing the the stealing, the killing and destroying. And we are to resist those things. Well, how could everything that happens be the will of God? Couldn't be. Couldn't possibly be. And if you just have common sense, you know, that's not true. But... In everything in life, in the midst of every circumstance, we can have God's hand upon us and the spirit will work in every situation. Go with me to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. And let's look at, I keep wanting to look over my shoulder, make sure nobody's watching me. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Isaiah 55, if you're listening to this, you won't understand, unless you were here, should be here, praise the Lord. Isaiah 55, and let's look at verse number eight. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Now, you might respond to that and say, yeah, but we have the Bible and we, we know his thoughts, we know his ways. Well, that's, there, there's some truth in that. But let's, let's keep on reading. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Yes, we can thank God's thoughts and we can walk in his ways as we are diligent to live in the word and to, and to follow the spirit, but that's the key. Living in the word and following the spirit. Because one of the, one of the most important lessons for the Christian to learn, one of the most important things you'll ever learn is that God has his own way of bringing his will to pass in our lives. And it's not always the way we would choose. Now, again, because people, there's so much tradition. And and I found that it took me many, many, many years uh, of renewing my mind and walking with God to not easily slip back into certain traditional ways of thinking. Without even, without even realizing it. And so I, I, I qualify everything so that people understand what we're talking about. I'm going to say my last statement again and then, and then I'll, and then I'll uh, qualify it. One of the most important lessons that we all, you and I all, all of us need to learn. Will you listen to me? is that God has his own way of bringing his will to pass in our lives and it's not always the way we would choose because his thoughts and his ways are higher than ours. Now, if we were more attuned to the spirit and we could see everything that God is doing, we would always agree with those ways, but most of the time we're not living in that situation. And many times he leads us into situations that are difficult and he does that on purpose. He does it on purpose. Now that doesn't mean that he commissions trouble or anything the devil's doing. God doesn't commission any of the stealing, killing, destroying, the lies, the deception. He's not behind anything the devil is doing. 
But he does permit certain things. He does permit us to go through and even lead us sometimes into paths that put us in direct conflict with the enemy. Praise the Lord. I knew you'd be excited about this this morning. (laughs) Try to hold yourself. Amen. See, we need, to look at, we need to look at the other side of things. I often talk about, you know, I got this illustration from Brother Hagin, two sides of a mountain. You know, we're accustomed to camping on one side of the mountain. We like our side. Oh, it's nice, got a good view, just a wonderful view of God, you know, and everything fits. There's another side of the mountain to just about every truth that you can, that you can explore in the Bible. And it's, it's the same truth, but it's just another side of it. And uh, on the other side, things don't always look the same. Amen. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 5. Praise the Lord. How many of you are okay? Hebrews chapter 5. And let's start in verse number 8. Talking about Jesus, it says, Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience... By the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Jesus himself learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Jesus suffered. This isn't talking about what happened on the cross. There were other ways that Jesus suffered. Now, when you, when you talk about suffering, the, the religious mind automatically thinks about sickness. Because that's probably the foremost way that we feel suffering. We suffer other ways as well, obviously, in life. But sickness is that, is that constant uh, threat, that, that not threat, that constant opposition because our bodies are not renewed yet. Our, our minds, our spirit's been born again. Our minds are being renewed with the word of God. But our bodies have to be submitted. Our bodies have to be uh, brought into subjection. And our bodies have not been fully redeemed. We're redeemed from the curse of the law. But our bodies are still the same. They're mortal. And because of that, we, we encounter things. And uh, so we think about suffering sickness, but this couldn't be talking about sickness because Jesus was never sick. Not until he went to the cross. Turn, turn with me to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Familiar passage, but let's look at a, a different verse maybe. Isaiah 53 says in verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs. Now that word griefs is is also translated sickness multiple times, multiple times. And carried our sorrows. That word is also translated pains in other places in the Old Testament. Those two Hebrew words are translated sickness and pains in many other places. Now we know that it's talking about sickness and pain here and not just grief and sorrows in the ordinary sense because the Holy Spirit's own commentary on this verse is over in Matthew 8 verse 17 said himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So we have the Holy Spirit's uh, confirmation and, and his commentary in Greek in the New Testament. So we know that's what it's talking about. So we know if he bore it, he bore it in, in, as our substitute so that we not bear it. He, uh, if you go on, this is the reason I wanted you to turn here. Look at verse number 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. Again, that word grief is sickness. I think it's the, it might be the Rotherham. One of the translations that I have says he, in, in verse 10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has made him sick. God made Jesus sick on the cross with our sickness. And he bore it 
Verse 4, surely he's borne our sickness. And that word bore means to lift up, to carry away like you would take a load off of someone's shoulder, relieving them of the load and carrying it somewhere else. Well, if you lifted a load off of somebody, the load's not on them anymore. So we know that sickness was, was born by Jesus on the cross. Our, our poverty was born by Jesus on the cross. He was made uh, uh, poor so that we could be made rich. So we're not talking about that kind of suffering. But Jesus still suffered. Amen. Uh, Now, we need to distinguish. I've already mentioned this. uh, We need to distinguish his sufferings that he suffered as an example to us. To follow and the sufferings that he suffered as our substitute, which we receive the benefit of, we don't suffer the things he suffered for us because he took those things. But he also left us an example of suffering that the Bible says we're supposed to follow that example. Let's look at that. Go with me over to 1 Peter. Let's look at the second chapter. 1 Peter. Now, I won't have time to cover everything today, but uh, we're laying a foundation. But I promise you, when you start talking about suffering, that, you know, uh, that might not sound like a real exciting uh, message or, or sermon or whatever, you know, however you want to describe it. But I promise you, if you'll come today, next Sunday, and listen until I'm finished... I I promise you, it'll edify you and help you. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 2. And let's look at... Let's start in verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Now, we don't live in a society where, where we're, you know, servants... Uh, in the sense of slaves or anything like that, many places in the world still have those things in, in place. Thank God we've been, we've been enlightened and we've, we've moved beyond that uh, because Paul said never, never become a slave to anybody. He said now if you're, if you're a slave, he tells us uh, the same thing Peter said here to be submissive, but he also, Paul also said if you have an opportunity to be free, get, be free. Don't become a slave of anybody. Amen. But uh, I, I would say the, the, the best way we could apply this and a good application would be employer-employee. Because when you work for somebody, you're supposed to do what they say. Now, unless it's illegal or immoral, if it, if it's, and, and you can't fudge on that, if it's, if it's not honestly illegal or immoral, you have to do what your boss says to do. They're paying you to follow their direction. Amen. Praise the Lord. I have an old friend that I was one of my two best friends growing up, particularly in high school, and brilliant man, just just brilliant, genius. Uh, he had everything in life. Uh, put right before him. He excelled in, in academics. He excelled in sports. He excelled socially. He was just very gifted. And uh, he was offered by Congressman Charles Bennett, who was our representative in Jacksonville at the time at, at the U.S. Uh, Congress, offered him an appointment to West Point to, uh, you know, uh, of course, you know, he, my friend, he was like me. We wanted nothing to do with that. And uh, so he, you know, went to college free, just, to, just had everything. But by a series of wrong decisions, we were both making wrong decisions. By God's grace, God plucked me out of that lifestyle. Well, he stayed in it, and bad decisions lead to worse decisions, Ever uh, worsening decisions. Series of bad decisions eventually got him uh, uh, 
arrested. And he eventually went to prison for a short period of time, drug charges. And uh, he, he was, he was, he finally got out, didn't serve very long. That was, that's another story. But uh, I lost contact with him. 2006, he, he found me on Facebook and, uh, or some, yeah, on Facebook, and he, he wrote to me and wanted to, re, you know, restore our relationship, which I, I was happy to do. Uh, but he talked about all of the things that have happened to him and all of the places that, that he's worked and... Uh, he's not, he's not the person that takes correction. So I kept it to myself, but it boils down to he's smarter than everybody. And he knows more than his, any boss he's ever had. And, uh, he just can't keep his mouth shut on the job. And so he can't keep a job. I mean, when you're smarter than your boss, you know more than he does. Why would you, why would you keep, why not voice it? Because you're an idiot. And you're not smarter than he is. Amen. And so his, you know, what I'm saying is, he, he was of the opinion that because his superior intellect and his superior rationale told him that the boss was wrong, he felt, uh, 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 you know, uh, that, it was, that it was his place. Every, in every job he's ever been in. Well, he's, you know, he's, anyways, he's had nothing but trouble in life. No, when, you're, when you work for somebody, you're supposed to submit to them. So let's just read it this way. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, now this isn't, Grief, like in the Hebrew, because that was Hebrew, this is grief, this is Greek. So this is talking about ordinary grief. Suffering wrongfully. You know, there are a lot of things we will suffer, and they're wrong. But because of your walk with God, sometimes you're required to just take it. But do it without griping. That's not in here, but I'll add that. He said, for what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? Well, of course, our employers don't beat us ordinarily. <laughs> but but when, when our boss mistreats us or when anybody mistreats us, what credit is it when you are uh, mistreated for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. God takes note of that. He pays attention to that. And, and, and it's something that he commends. It's something that is, that is praiseworthy. It's something that, that God recognizes and he takes note of. And, and uh, you have a reward for it. God's not, God's not forgetful of any of these things. Verse 21 says, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Now, again, this couldn't be talking about what he suffered on the cross, because we're not going to the cross. We've, in Christ, we've been there. This is all of the other things that he suffered. And he, Jesus suffered a lot in his earth walk. Well, amen. Let's look at verse 21 again. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. In other words, he didn't do anything wrong. But when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He committed himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus suffered a lot from people before he ever went to the cross. In fact, he suffered in just coming here. You're familiar with the third chapter or the second chapter rather of, of Philippians. 
that Jesus, though he was God, did not consider his equality with God to be something to, to, to cling to, to hold on to. But it says in the King James that he emptied himself and, and uh, was, was made in the likeness of men. One translation says he laid aside his mighty power and glory. Another translation said, well, I'll hold that. He, we'll come back to that. He laid aside his mighty power and glory. That's suffering. Think of what Jesus gave up to come here. Now, he, this is, he hadn't redeemed anybody. This is not what he did on the cross. This is just what he submitted to, to even come here, to take on the man, to take on humanity. Now, we think a lot of ourselves. We look at the rest of the, of the planet and all the life on the planet. We're at the top. But in God's eyes, yes, we're at the top in his estimation. But in terms of, of the fall of man, I mean, he, he, he didn't, Jesus didn't, uh, it wasn't a promotion for Jesus to come here. He had to lay some things aside. He laid aside his mighty power and glory. But the other thing, it says that he laid aside his rights and privileges as deity. There's a lesson in there for us. Sometimes we have to give up our rights and our privileges in order that somebody else be blessed. Sometimes we have to submit to certain conditions, though we never submit to the devil... We have, to, we have to go through some things sometimes that we have to not insist on our own rights or our own way. That's, what, that's the definition of love from 1 Corinthians 13 in the Amplified Bible. says love does not insist on its own rights or its own way. That means it has rights. We have rights. We have a right to, to, to what we want in God. But there are times that in order to be a blessing to somebody else, we have to submit to, we have to give up what we want. Doesn't diminish our walk with God. It's not a matter of, of giving up our, our position in Christ. But sometimes we just have to put the other person first. And that's a, there's some suffering involved in that. Well, praise the Lord. I'm going to get into that more next week than I, than I really intend to today. Uh, now, go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. And look at verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus was in all points tempted like we are. Now you think about that sometimes, you think, well, uh, you know, there's one scripture, I think it's in James, says that God can't be tempted with evil. But remember, Jesus, yes, he was God, but he laid aside his mighty power and glory. He laid aside his rights and privileges as deity and took on the form of a servant, became a man like you and me. And when he did that, he, he laid aside his... his, uh, uh, his right to not be tempted he allowed himself to be Jesus was tempted with sin he was tempted with he was tempted in every way you and I are tempted but he never sinned oh glory to God that was that was that was a big deal that Jesus would put himself in that situation but thank God he did that so that see this goes back to my point Sometimes we have to submit to certain things for the benefit of someone else. Jesus had to submit to this kind of temptation so that he could help us. 
If he hadn't been tempted, if he had never experienced it, he would not qualify as a high priest. Because the Old Testament says that all that it says it's the New Testament, all the high priests and the priesthood, they, because they were encompassed about with humanity, with weakness, they, they were able to stand in the place and stand between men and God. Well, Jesus had to take that same place. In order to be a faithful high priest, he had to, to taste what we taste. He had to suffer what we suffered. Not, not sin and the consequences of because he overcame it, but he put himself in a position to be tested. And he did that because he loved us. Well, sometimes we have to, we have to, uh, we have to stay in a situation that we're not really all that comfortable with. For a season so that we can go through some things so that God, like Jesus, was perfected by the things he suffered. There's some perfection that has to take place in our life. And, and I would like to say that all of our perfection can come through the, through the word. But it's just not true. Some of our perfection comes by being tested, by being tried. That's what leads us into perfection. Maturity is a better word. So I'm going to say it again. You will never be mature just reading and believing and confessing and acting on the word of God. That will not bring you to maturity. There are, there are some, some areas of testing that are required to bring us to maturity. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Are we in the fourth chapter? Yeah. Go to... Go to chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews 2. Verse 17 says, Therefore in all things, Jesus had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able also, he is also able to, uh, to aid those who are tempted. Now it's the, sometimes the Greek word, there's Greek word, there are Greek words that are used for tempted and tested. And sometimes they, they mean either one depending on the context. Here, uh, the context would suggest that, that, uh, that he was tested. He was in, in all things. He had to be made like us. In order to make propitiation for our sins. For in that he himself has suffered being tested. He is able also to aid those who are tested. Jesus we've already read was perfected by the things he suffered. Well you and I are going to be matured the same way. Well praise the Lord. The Bible says that all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I know that's good news. Go, go, I want you to read it for yourself. Go to 2 Timothy and look at chapter 3. 2 Timothy 3. Praise the Lord. Verse 10 says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine. Woohoo, doctrine. We love it. Manner of life, woo, victorious, we like it. Purpose, called of God, woo, we like it. Faith, long-suffering, perseverance. Oh, love, yes, perseverance. Persecutions. Afflictions. Now, the Bible, again, people read into afflictions, sickness. There's, no, there's, there's nothing in the Greek in afflictions that means uh, sickness. It just means test and trials. He said, you have carefully followed. Well, I'm following you, Paul. Oh, I follow you and your doctrine, your manner of life, your purpose, your faith, your love. But, well, what about long suffering? What about perseverance? Persecutions. Afflictions. Which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium and Lystra. Does anybody remember what happened at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra? Does anybody remember? Huh? 
Yeah. He, he was attacked by a vicious mob. He had people criticize him, had people lie about him, had people uh, uh, attack him verbally and eventually physically. He was stoned and, and left for dead, dragged out of the city and left for dead. Woo. It's exciting. Which persecutions I endured, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I I quoted that wrong. I wrote that down wrong in my notes. My note says, all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's not what it says. It says, all who desire. If you just start out (laughs) to live godly in Christ Jesus, you won't get very far before you'll suffer persecution before it. Before you even get to the godly part, before you get to actually being godly, if you just think about it and desire it, <laughs> you will suffer persecution. People will talk about you. I know that's a newsflash. But the, the problem is, is we like to get out of all of our persecutions before the Spirit is able to help us the way He wants to. He said he will, Paul said he delivered me from them. But (laughs) you might say, well, God sure was slow in delivering him. I mean, he was, had the smothers beat out of him. Smotherings, how you say it? He had the stuffings beat out of him. I mean, it'd been been really good if God had delivered him before it got that bad. Jesus learned and was, and was made perfect through the things he suffered. And there are things that come to us in life that God allows in order for us to grow and mature. Jesus suffered persecution. The apostles suffered persecution. I mean, we don't have the time to just read all this because I've got them all uh, passage here. You know, when, when Paul, uh, Peter and John went up to the gate uh, beautiful and, and the man was healed, they got persecuted for it. They were called in, you know, by the authorities. And think about it. They did good. It <laughs> comes as a surprise sometimes. When you do right, you do good. You think everybody would be happy about what you did. A man got healed. Well, it, it, it says in one place that, that they were jealous. Religious leaders were jealous. And so they called them in and said, you'll not do this anymore. We forbid you to speak in the name of Jesus. Peter said, well, you know, we're going we're gonna to obey God. They actually, put them in, they actually put them in jail. And so the next day they were going to uh, bring them up, you know, with, uh, to answer. And, and, the, and the, the people went to, to, the, to the jailhouse and the guards were in front of the, of, the, of the jail. And the door was locked and secured. When they opened the door, there was nobody inside. Because an angel took them out in the middle of the night. So they came back to the chief priest and said, You know, the, 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 the two men that you put in jail, they're in the temple. We went to the jail and the doors closed. And the guards are there. Been there all night. And it was secure. We opened the door. There's nobody in it. We found them in the temple. Preaching. Well, you know, you would think... You would think a rational person would say, whoa, maybe I ought to be trade carefully here. I mean, how often is it that somebody disappears out of a locked jail cell and appears in, a, in, in another place? But no, the ungodly will persecute you even when rational, a rational person would know, don't do that. So they brought him in and threatened him and and they, you know, they let them go because, you know, all the people saw this miracle. Well, then it says in the fifth chapter that uh, Peter, you know, the, the great signs and wonders were done by the hands of the apostles so that they laid people in the street. And, you know, and from all people came from all of the cities around Jerusalem, bringing all the sick people. Well, they had seen this before. It hadn't been but just a little while. Jesus had done that. 
And now they killed him. And, and, and now Peter and John and the apostles are doing that. And uh, even the shadow of Peter passing by, people would be healed. Well, they were jealous. So they brought him in and uh, said, didn't we tell you not to teach or preach in this name? And Peter said, well, you know, we're going to obey God. So they were, they were uh, you know, they were, the Bible says they were furious. I'm just, I'm just summarizing. They were furious. We are surprised sometimes when people, when, when we're doing good, we're doing right. People are being blessed. And the ungodly are furious because they're ungodly. So Gamaliel speaks up and he said, uh, you better be careful what you do to these men. He said, because if, if, if it's a man, it'll come to nothing. Gave a couple examples. He said, if it's a man, it'll come to nothing. But if it's of God, you better be careful. You'll be found fighting against God. Well, they all agreed to not kill them, but then they still beat them. You know what they did? They went from that place rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be beaten for the Lord. They counted, they were full of joy. That's maturity. How do you, how do you reach that maturity? Anybody have a guess? By experiencing that, experiencing that kind of persecution. That's, that's the only way to get to that place is to be persecuted. Now, thank God. Now, I'll wrap this up. Thank God in our nation, we don't see that level of persecution. Because thank God, our, our, we, we live in a nation that has religious freedom. But we do see the clouds on the horizon. We do see people that are not, they're not even, uh, uh, they're not even trying to cover what they're doing. They are speaking out like never before to stop our religious freedom. Well, we, we don't need to let that happen. I said, we don't need to let that happen. We should stand against that. We as citizens, and not just Christians, but as citizens, we need to do our part to, to influence our nation and our leaders. We need to be resolute. We need to be alert. We need to be on guard. Not, we don't need to just lay down, roll over, and let them take our rights from us. Because there are people out there, and they're not just on the fringes anymore. They're sitting in, they're sitting in seats in Congress right now that want to take away our religious freedoms. And they're not ashamed of it, and they're not, they're not quiet about it. We need to stop that. Amen. But in the meantime... We need to realize that there will be persecution. Now, will it ever get as bad as, as it was uh, here in America? I don't know. I don't know. We, we need to do our part to see that that doesn't happen. But I can't say. But regardless, people will lie about you because you're a Christian. They'll talk about you. They won't have anything to do with you. They'll, they'll laugh at you. They'll mock you. And it's not always fun. I'll get into next week just a little bit. You will encounter, you and I will encounter things in life. Situations, dealing with people. That the Lord will lead you into into arenas where you're going to be tried. You know the scripture, Matthew, Mark, Luke, all three say that Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness and he was tempted of the devil. And Matthew makes it even clearer. He said the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. It wasn't substitutionary tempting either. If you read it, the devil, first of all, after Jesus had, had fasted for 40 days and he was hungry, the devil said, why don't you turn these stones into, into bread? Now, that, that wasn't a substitutionary uh, uh, temptation. 
What was Jesus being? He was tempted because of the urgency, because of the cravings of his flesh. He was hungry. He was tempted to... Now, he had just been filled with the Spirit. Just before the Spirit led him into the wilderness. Well, what does that mean? Being filled with the Spirit, he had the gifts of the Spirit. And the devil said, turn this, commend this stone to be turned into bread. The temptation was to try to force a work of the Spirit. You know, Jesus turned water into wine. And and John says that it was the first miracle that he did. Now, it doesn't look like it when you read the other Gospels because it looks like, you know, he was led of the Spirit. He went through the time of temptation. He returned to the power of the Spirit and, and all these things happened. But somewhere in there, as soon as he returned, he went to Nazareth and, 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 and was it Nazareth? And was at, the, was at the wedding and turned water into wine. So that gift of, of special faith and working of miracles was very much there. And the devil was tempting him to act in the flesh and try to force something in the spirit. I, I, I suppose every person of God who's ever had the anointing of God upon their life and flowed in the spirit, every one of us have been tempted to operate in the natural and try to force something to happen. But you can't do it. That's a, that's a temptation. That's a test. Then, you know, you know the others. Each one of these were areas where the devil tempted him. But the, the point I want to make is Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for the purpose. For the purpose. And we'll say that again. For the purpose of being tempted and tested by the devil. Well, he left us an example that we should follow. There are times the Spirit will lead you into things that will be a great test and a great trial to you. But there's, he's not behind what the devil does. God wasn't behind Satan tempting Jesus. The Spirit was behind putting Jesus in that place where he could be tempted. Well, God doesn't commission and he doesn't endorse the things that the enemy tries to, that, that he sends our way to trip, trip us up. God's not in that, but he will sometimes be in putting us in a place where we're going to experience that things, those things. And that's something we need to learn so that whenever we are in a situation, we need to, we need to discern. This is the point. We need to be able to discern is what is God doing? Some things will come against you and right away you know, no, no, I'm not putting up with that. That's the devil. I'm not putting up. And we should always be that way when considering the devil. But when it's considering situations where that involve people, people aren't the devil. And there are times we, we, this is learning the way of the spirit. Because the spirit, one of his ways is leading us in paths that aren't very pleasant sometimes. And when you know the Spirit is leading, then you have perfect peace in the storm. Glory to God. No temptation, no test, no trial, it says, has taken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond your capability. But with the temptation, he will make a way of escape that you can come through it victoriously. In every situation, just let the Spirit have his work. Let his work be perfected in you. Stay with it. We'll give some examples next week that'll, be, that'll bring it down home a little bit. Because there are a lot of areas here that, uh, well, if we, if we know them and if we are exercised by them, we will grow. And there's a lot of growing that doesn't take place in a lot of Christians' lives because they don't, they, every time... Uh, the spirit leads them into a situation like this, they begin to gripe and complain and fight. And and then God's not able to work that perfection in in their lives. So let's grow up. Amen. Let's grow up. Let's see. Let's discern the hand of God as we go through life. 
Let's, let's discern, is, is God, did God put me in a situation here to be a blessing to somebody as painful as, as this is, as difficult as, as this is? What is God really trying to do? Again, God doesn't send anything the devil does, but he does send, he does put us in a path where the devil can try us. Amen. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. The good news is, it's always good news when it helps you grow. The good news is submitting to God's ways and enduring temptation, enduring tests and trials will cause us to grow. It will. And, and I'm just frank with you, there's some, there some areas of growth that just aren't attainable any other way. And, that, and that's why some people never grow. is because they always They always abort that situation. Always get in the flesh and don't let God have his perfect work. Well, praise the Lord. Let's stand up. Thank you, Father. Thank you for helping us today. Glory to God. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for the difficult times. I thank you for the difficult times. Glory to God. The times when I wanted to quit. Times when I wanted to do anything but stay where in the situation I was in. But I'm so glad that I was patient. Not that I have always been, but I've learned. And I'm thankful for all of those tests and trials because they've brought me to a place of usefulness. I wouldn't be, Father, as you know, I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't experienced some of these things. Glory to God. And so I can count it all joy. I can count it all joy. Glory to God. And in fact, in everything, I can give thanks. In every situation, I can give thanks. Glory to God. Because in every situation, you have made a way. You've made a way. So that I can come through it. Not not just get out of it, but pass through it victoriously. Glory to God. I thank you for that, Father. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.